0: This is a podcast from Seven Vineyard. It's good to see you all here today. My name is Bern. Um, And I've got a question for you. I'm wondering how you're doing, because it's a difficult time at the moment. And how are you doing, particularly with impossible things? And I don't mean fantasy impossible things like Through the Looking Glass or Douglas Adams restaurant at the end of the universe, six impossible things before breakfast. Now, I mean, real impossible things that we are facing, that we have faced. This has been life, hasn't it? I mean, think about it. You had, imagine it's 2017, and you are sat looking for a job. You, you really want it. You've dressed up really smart. Smarter than me. You've dressed up. You want this job, you've prepared, you've thought about all the possibilities, you think about everything that's possible, everything that you want in your life, and, and you're prepared for that horrible question that comes up. Where can you see yourself in five years' time? What will you be doing in five years' time? And, and, and you've told them all the thing, all your plans. Yeah, you maybe want to be a manager. Maybe you want to. Um, I want to do your job. That's always a great answer, isn't it? Um, what else would you say? You, you, you'd talk about everything. Realistic. You'd, you, you'd have really thought about everything that you were going to do. What you probably didn't say was, uh, I'm going to get ready for a global pandemic. I'm going to really enjoy doing homeschooling. In fact, what I'd really like to do is spend a lot less time in the office and more time on Zoom. Would that be okay if I just never come in? I don't know, for maybe like a year? That's where I see myself. And now, if you'd said any of that, do you think you would have got the job? Do you think you, I mean, God might have given you an insight. God might have told you everything that was gonna happen, and if you'd shared it, where would you be? With anyone except God. we would have thought you were mad it's only God just knows this stuff God knows what you've been through God knows all the impossible things that that were so improbable so unlikely that you've come through God knows what it was you've already had to deal with God knows what our friends have had to deal with God knows that some of us have had to deal with more and are still dealing with more than we ever thought we'd want to bear. Some of us have lost friends. And if we haven't personally, well, maybe our friends have lost friends and our our world's looking different. Certainly our sense of possibility is different, isn't it? Our sense of what's likely, what to expect. So I think it's really become a more important question than ever. How how are we dealing with the impossible? But one thing I love about God, I love lots of things about God. I think you do too. But one thing I love about God is I think it's his favourite thing to deal with the impossible. To make the impossible possible. Actually, I think it might be his second favourite thing to deal with the impossible, make the impossible possible for us, for me, for you. God does that. I think that's his second favorite thing. Because I think his favorite, favorite thing is to make the impossible possible with us, with you. You see the difference? I might be hard to see so we'll, we'll talk about a guy in the bible that i think he's he really illustrates this well his name is daniel and he has a place in the old testament timeline um where in this big story of god Ooh uh there we go yes daniel can we see the timeline because he's got a he's got a place in it where he's um there we go he's part of this big story that we've been encountering where uh, we begin (laughs) with the creation of the world. We didn't do too much about that, but we've gone through this time where God starts to set up a people. And we've met people who've become the people of God. What does it mean for God to have a people? It meant that, that there were people who would know him. People who would know what life could be like with him people who would know the possibility of being close to God and not just doing God things, but being people that want to do God's things. Um, Can we just see that timeline again? Sorry, because there's a bit of a shape to to where we go with um, Moses bringing out the people of God from slavery, Joshua bringing people into the promised land and setting up a people that was in a recognisable time and place. They had a time when the judges, and it, didn't, or it wasn't working out, so they, so they moved on, and they said, actually, God, what we really need is kings. God said, you sure? Okay. Have kings, and King David was one of the good ones. But then there's this procession of good ones and bad ones. And, um, and, and as we then go through all of these good things and bad things, there's this whole cycle of things. By the way, I've, I've been reading uh, or listening through the Old Testament at speed. So I've gotten through it in about two months, uh, most of it. Everything except the prophets, uh, or most of the prophets. I really recommend it, by the way, because it gets you this overview of what God's doing. And, and in all the goodness of some kings being good and a lot of things being wrong, it seems fairly obvious that the system somehow didn't work. It wasn't possible. It never became possible for God's people to really be the people that God had made them to be and wanted them to be. And by the time we get to Daniel, um, it's really broken. And... God pointed this out. God had this agreement, this covenant with people. So that if it didn't work out, you know, this was going to come to an end. This Israel thing this would not carry on in this place. And Jeremiah the prophet sums up the problem, the big problem. If there's one if there's only one thing you take away from today, it's this 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 verse from Jeremiah because this is the problem. This is why it was impossible for God's people to be God's people. He said, my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water. And they've dug their own cisterns. Broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Well, drat. But that's, bas- that's the whole thing. Thank you very much. Um I could stop there, but God's going to illustrate it a bit more. I want us to feel how bad this exile thing was, um, because, because it was terrible. Um, it was disastrous. Jeremiah also said to them uh, what would happen. In that day, declares the Lord, the kings and the officials will lose heart, the priests will be horrified, the prophets will be appalled. Why? because they were going to be basically losing all the things that they'd hold on to, that they felt made life with God possible. Jeremiah 25, Because you've not listened to my words, I'll summon all the peoples of the north, and my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord, and I'll bring them against this land and its inhabitants, and against all the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy them, Make them an object of horror and scorn and an everlasting ruin. I will banish them from the sounds of joy and gladness. The voices of bride and bridegroom, the sound of millstones and the light of the lamp. The whole country will become a desolate wasteland. And these nations will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. Blimey. I don't know if we can even picture how bad that was. Even if even if we try to picture it, even if we try to imagine, I don't know, getting invaded by Russia and we all got carted off to the salt mines. Maybe that's Russia's plan, you know, get us to do all the jobs they don't want to do. That could happen. That'll be awful, right? It'd be terrible. I think it was even worse for Israel because not only were they taken off to do jobs they didn't want to do, they were taken away from everything that made life feel possible for them. They were taken away from the law, their connection with doing the right things and having disputes judged according to their own laws. And they were taken away from the temple, the presence of God, where they would come and they would meet God and bring sacrifices and make everything right that had gone wrong. Having those things taken away. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how bad that would feel? I don't know if we even can. But here's where Daniel comes in. It's this impossible situation. Um, at the beginning of Daniel, in the third Year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, the last king, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered. Ashpenaz, king of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing every aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now imagine you're an Israelite. You've been taken off from your land, from all the things that made life possible. You've got this horrible job that they've pressed you into. But news starts to reach you of these guys who've landed themselves a job in the royal palace. Oh, how nice for them, you might think. Oh, how brilliant that God's going to have an influence. I bet that's kind of how we think of it right now, from a distance. Is that really how we would think of it, though? I mean, imagine it was today. Imagine they were popping up on the news that off we were brexile <laughs> yeah that works and 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 on the news comes this guy dan dan has got a cushy job and they're showing him on the news all the time because because look how well he's integrating look how well he's fitting in look he's becoming one of us he's, he's a great example to you would you love dan would you go ah oh, yeah I'm glad God's doing that. No, of course you wouldn't. You'd be all... You'd be... He's a collaborator. We don't want to be here. We want to be out. We want to go home. I'll put it to you that Daniel was in an impossible situation. Because, yes, he'd been listening to the prophets. Yes, he'd followed what he knew God wanted them to do. But how on earth could this be a good news story for his people? I want to suggest to you that the story of Daniel that we're about to look at a bit more isn't the story of Daniel. It's a story that involves Daniel, but it's only a, it can't be a story about a good Daniel. It can only be a story about an amazing God. It's impossible for Daniel to please everyone in this story. But God is going to make impossible things possible through what happens. So Daniel's first thing, his impossible choice that he has to make, is how how is he going to accept this invitation to be on the team? Chapter 1, verse 8. Daniel resolved... Not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had showed the official, caused the official to show favour and compassion to Daniel. The official told Daniel, "I'm afraid, with the Lord my King, who has assigned your food and drink, why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you." Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. Treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this. and He tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, they looked healthier, better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the God took away their choice food, and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Hooray, said everyone. <laughs> now, <laughs> can you see how this is great for Daniel, like, how God gets glorified? Um, yes. Do you, do you remember why God's people were exiled? They turned their back on God they'd done their own things they'd done what they thought was right they had this broken systems, the things they'd built themselves what Daniel's doing this, this impossible thing that God's going to do with Daniel is he's going to show people how to turn back how to reconnect how to get this living water connection back again in fact he's even going to show them I think how to get the law and the temple back how well, God's already guiding Daniel. This law that God's had has shaped his decisions. Can you see how? Partly the food law, yes. He, he knows that one way he's going to look distinctive and, and acceptable to God is to turn away this rich food that's been offered to idols and foreign gods and accept nothing but, I don't know, what else you got? Veg, okay, we'll have the veg then. He's not being too fussy. He's not saying, go and sacrifice a lamb to my God. No, he's saying, I'll just have what, whatever you got. Because the other law that's operating in Daniel is love. You see how Daniel approaches it. He's not being so angsty and saying, I'm, I'm going to have an argument about your God and my God. No, he's just saying, I don't want any harm to come to you. I want this to work out. I want you to be sure that this is the right thing to do. So let's test it out. There's his faith, right? And to get that level of faith, to show that level of faith, Daniel, I think, had to sacrifice his dignity. He had to sacrifice. Maybe he had certainty. Maybe he just had to sacrifice his his way of arguing things. And in making that sacrifice, I think he brought the temple with him. Temples where you make sacrifice. God was with him. The presence of God was with him to guide him to do that. And the result well, God just didn't, didn't just help him get through that situation. He didn't just survive, he thrived. Um, so these young, they actually became the, the best and the most trusted of all the people that have been called. Um, Verse 17, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them. He found none equal. So they entered the king's service. And In every matter of wisdom and understanding, he found them ten times better and all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. Isn't that amazing? So how's he gonna put that to work? Well he had this impossible choice to make to start off with, and now Daniel has an impossible job to do. The king had a dream, in chapter two. I had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. The astrologers answered the king, "May the king live forever." Tell your servants the dream will interpret it. The king replies, "See the astrologer." Now the king knows what he's doing here. Okay, you could, we could go to a festival this summer and have people tell us about our dreams. Right? It's it's simple. You you tell them the dream. They have a think. Maybe they've maybe they know something about dream interpretation. Maybe they've read a good book. Maybe they're good at reading you. Maybe they've got a genuine gift. But I've never seen anyone who's offered to do what the king's demanding next. The king replied to the astrologist, because he's looking for where the real power is. This is what I firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you'll receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So... Tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Well that's a fair shout, right? If you've got power, you should be able to tell him what the dream is. But these guys are busted. The astrologers answer the king. There's no one on earth who could do what the king asks. No king, however great or mighty has ever asked such a thing. If any magician or a of what the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. And they don't live among humans spoiler alert <laughs> they might uh, this made the king so angry and furious he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon dun, dun, dun. oh my goodness now <laughs> yeah I think the king's got a point don't you he's looking for real power have we ever seen that what do you think Daniel's going to do I'm thinking of this situation and I'm, thinking, and I'm remembering stories about prophets like Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Maybe Daniel was one of those prophets who would go, Oh wow, all of our rival prophets, they're all going to be shown up and maybe they'll all get excluded or killed. That sounds great. Maybe God will be glorified in that. But do you know what he does? Because God's doing something different with Daniel. God's, God's doing something different. God's brought the law with Daniel in his heart, hasn't he? And God's bringing the temple with Daniel in his presence, It's living water, this connection that he has. And, and so Daniel asked for something else. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. And worship worships got a whole lot. Just fast forward a little bit. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I'll interpret the dream for him. Whoa! Save them! Save them! Who took the credit? Did Daniel take the credit for being a really good dream guy? No, actually Daniel gave it to God. The king asked Daniel, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? And Daniel says, no wise man, enchanter, magician or diviner can explain to, the, explain to the king the mysteries asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He's shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. What? what what's he done now it's a it's a fascinating dream, and you can go look it up in the book we haven't got time to go go through all the bits and bobs of it. but the point is that the law that's operating in daniel is is really strong it 's on his heart he's he's not giving any false witness he knows not to do that he's being honest he's just going to god's shown him something. He's going to witness to it. He's going to say what he's seen. That's all he needs to do. It's not about his skill. It's about him trusting God. And it's also love, again. He doesn't want anything bad to happen to the other prophets. He wants them to be saved. Here he comes. He's a picture of a saviour. And what did he have to sacrifice to get there? What did he sacrifice at the temple? He sacrificed himself. He didn't take the credit. He gave it all to God. What happened? God spoke through him. God's doing the impossible through him. And Daniel gets elevated. King Samuel said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods, and the Lord of kings, and the revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Now, there's a lot more that happens with Daniel, which I think the best thing to do is probably uh, listen to the podcast that we're going to do after, because <laughs> we've got more to share. But I just want to point you to one more situation that Daniel gets into with another king, the two kings after Nebuchadnezzar. There's no amount of skill that's going to save Daniel from the lions, um, basically, the, the other leaders, even though they've been saved, even though they've been loved, God's been doing so much through Daniel, they engineer this situation where they don't want him to be leading them. And they know the only way they can trap him, because he's not corrupt, he's, he's a good guy, the only way they can trap him is, is through the religious law. So they get King... Uh, what king was it? Not Cyrus yet it was <laughs> the king that was to uh, uh, Darius, So yeah, King Darius began to pass a law saying anyone who prays to another god um, throw him in the lions seemed reasonable to Darius because because they he, you know they would accept king worship, and that just basically puts Daniel into an impossible situation because the law that 's operating in him is just. Love God. That's the first bit of the law. He's not going to stop obeying the law. He's not going to stop. And have you seen what he's done? Although he's quite skillful, his habit, whenever there's a problem, is to come to God. And to say, what should I do? To pray. So even when that is the problem, when that is the thing that could get him killed, God still bringing him into his presence. God's still bringing him to pray. And yes, as a result, he ends up in a, in a cave full of lions. It's an impossible situation. There's not much he can do about it apart from pray. And you know what happens. Because this, this is one you will remember from Sunday school. what happens is that God turns up. God saves him from that situation. And he does it in a way that should make, should grab our attention because he goes into this thing that looks a lot like a tomb. There's a stone that rolls over the entrance to the tomb. It gets sealed up. And then the next day the king comes because he quite liked Daniel and he comes to see has his God shown up is his God real and Daniel emerges unscathed and unscratched there was no he didn't have a lot he didn't even have a lion tamer hat Monty Python reference like, it's a lion tamer on it no, he didn't have eyes nothing he could only trust in God and so it was the clearest demonstration of all that this God was real and I wonder if we find that in our lives too The times when we know for sure, the most sure, that God's real and God shows up, is when it's impossible to do anything else. It reminds me, I guess it reminds me of um, when I first started to trust in Jesus properly. I'd grown up in a church doing religious things I believed in God I thought that's what faith meant to believe in God and that the, and that the way of putting that into practice was to turn up to church every week well it's a way of putting it into practice but it—but there was something something that God hadn't yet done I think until I got to a point when I was about 15 years old when I realised this There wasn't a possibility of this working out well. If it was just me trying to do my religious things, it wasn't helping me really to be a good person. I wasn't trusting of other people. I wasn't good at making great friends. I wasn't good at telling the truth to people, to be perfectly honest. I was so insecure about who I was and where I was from. I felt the only thing I could do... And I was at a nice school as well, <laughs> with, with lots of people who seemed to be doing very well. And I was doing very well academically. But, but personally, I kind of bottomed out. And there was just this one day when I realised, <sighs> um, if any of this God stuff's real, I'm just going to have to give up trying to do it my own way. Actually, all I can really do is ask God, hello, are you there? <laughs> and I did and you know what he said yes whoa hello what do you want me to do now then and God just started giving me this appetite for for learning more about him for reading the bible for one thing um, and, and, and for just getting to know Jesus who Jesus was and I've got to tell you that's the difference between that and, and, a, and a kind of a Religion that we're in control of is just massive. It's huge. I wonder if you've ever encountered it. I wonder. I wonder if you've never encountered that before. Um, It's it's so nice. It's so nice that you're here. It's so nice that you're watching. Love that you're watching. One of the really brilliant things about about the pandemic is how going online has just connected us. With with so many people who are friends and family and people who've become friends and people who've who who it's great to be watching and seeing God what's God's doing with a body of people like this. We love it. But it might be that you have never got to that point yourself where you've gone, I wanna admit that my life as it's been is impossible. I know it's impossible. But God could make it possible. And the way God showed up in Daniel reminds me of a lot of the way God shows up in Jesus. Doesn't it? For you? We could look at that more another time. We'll talk about that in the podcast. But God really does show up in these situations. These things, maybe you've got an impossible choice ahead. Maybe you've got an impossible decision make or an impossible job to do or maybe you've just got to a point where you think now actually I'm in with the lions well however much skill I think I've got it's only God who can who can take me forward what I'd like to do is invite you if that is you or if you've never met Jesus before um, to just go yes please (laughs) because that's literally all Daniel did this is not a story about Daniel and how clever he was and how good it was. This is a story about how amazing God is. I want to think he's, he's amazing for us too. So if you want that, why not bring yourself now? Bring a, the, the, the law... God loves to write onto our hearts. That's where it's going to live. The temple is is us, because God fills us with His Spirit, and and all these things um, that we we can never be cut off from them. Then, even if we were carted off to some other country, we would always be um, connected with God, and we'd always have that living water flowing through us. If you would like that, I think all you've got to do is ask for it. I don't think there's a magic set of words. I've never found a magic prayer in the Bible that makes you a Christian. But I'm going to pray a prayer now. And I think it might get us in the right place. You might want to pray this as well. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We recognise your Presence among us we recognise that there was nothing that we did earned to make that happen to make you come here today you just love it you just love being with us you love us and thank you God that you know my situation you know what I'm facing that looks impossible to me You know how I'm trying to work it out. (laughs) You know how I'm trying to work my way around it. You know how I'd love to feel in control. But God, I want to admit to you that there are things that are just not possible for me that are possible for you. God, where I've built broken things, systems, God would you re- replace those with living living water I think all I could do like when I was putting this talk together I thought all, all I could do is do the plumbing you know, get a tap ready <laughs> it's nothing until you come on flow through it God would you do that Do you do that in me in ways that I've not seen you do that. And if you've never asked Jesus to play this role in your life, you could ask him now. Lord Jesus. I don't know how this works. You could lead me into it. I don't know how to be religious. I'm starting to think I probably shouldn't even try and work it out. (laughs) You could show me something better. Lord Jesus, if if what you want starts to become what, what I want and if what you can do starts to become what you do through me well I believe that some of these impossible things will start to become possible and I want to thank you for starting that today Let's just keep a bit of space for the Spirit to move and speak to us. Come, Holy Spirit.